Hey, we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Here we are with our guest, Sine Bell. Thank you for joining us today on Focus ED. Thank you for the invitation. I'm excited to chat with you guys today. That's awesome. So we're going to jump right in here, Sine. You wrote a book called Be Excellent on Purpose. Please tell us why you wrote the book, what it's about, what it means to decide to be excellent on purpose in schools, and what you would like educators to take from that. Well, you know, I, one of the things that was always on my bucket list was to write a book. As a former English teacher, I, I enjoy writing, I enjoy reading. And as an educator, I like practical things. I like to learn and, and read about and listen to podcasts and read articles that are practical. And I can take it right back to my workplace and put it into practice. The theoretical stuff kind of gives me a framework, but it's the practical that I can use. And so I wanted to write a book that was practical, that dealt with some of the challenges that educators face in many settings. I wanted it to be general enough for leaders. And when I say leaders, I mean, if you're teaching, if you're working with students, if you're in charge of a group of people, you're a leader. And there are a lot of challenges that we face in our role as educators. And so I wanted to write a book that touched on different topics and gave the reader strategies that they can put in place in their current setting. And then they can reflect upon that because it's through the reflection that we grow and that we get better. So the book is written with stories and it's just stories from my personal experience as an educator. And then it has strategies. And there are strategies, there are things that you can try. And it may not be that you do the strategy the exact way that I have it written in the book, but it may be that you have an iteration of the strategy that I have, that I've provided. And then there's a reflection piece that gives you the opportunity to reflect on the strategy that you put in place. How did that work for you? And so it starts with personal, taking it from knowing your why knowing what you're about, knowing what you stand for, knowing your values, because if you stay in this business long enough, your why will be challenged, your ideas will be challenged. But what keeps you motivated and able to persevere through challenges is when you can connect everything that you do back to your why and and you understand what you are, why you got into this business. And when the tough challenges come, you know that you're rooted and grounded in, in your why and your, your personal values and your vision. Thank you, Sine. This whole concept of why we've heard that, you know, we're big fans of Covey, and then also, you know, Simon Sinek really has done a lot to put that um, whole idea back on the map. 
What do you think is some of the biggest challenges people have narrowing it down and really deciding on their why or the school's why or what they're trying to accomplish? I think TJ and I find, and we've done a lot of work around this, that people sometimes not intentionally, but they live with a blurry vision because sometimes there's almost a level of fear to have clarity. Have you experienced that? How do you get people to get to clarity, to have that why as their anchoring portion of their, their profession? Any thoughts around that? When, you're, when you lack clarity, you really lack a focus and where to start. And it's easy to just get caught up in the essence of what you may be trying to accomplish as opposed to really being clear about what you're doing. And I think sometimes unintentionally in our profession, there are so many things that are thrown at us and it looks like the shiny new silver bullet. And it's like, oh, I think that may work. And so we're going to chase after that. But that may not even have anything to do with your goals. And so if you don't take the time, first of all, to develop your personal why, then when you begin to set goals and make plans, you'll chase after anything that looks like this may be the fast track or this may be the way to get the job done. And so if you don't do that individually, then you're not going to be able to do that in an organization. And then you don't know where you're going. And you're just, it's just like you're driving around back and forth. If you think of uh, like the Waze app or maps, you know, you keep driving until you keep getting rerouted and then rerouted and then rerouted, but you don't have a definite definition or a definite destination of where you're going. So it's really important to, when you figure out your personal why, then it's, you're very clear about what you stand for. And if you're leading an organization or if you're leading a classroom, you will only focus on those things that are going to help you get the results that are connected to your why. And, you know, when I think about the title of my book, Be Excellent on Purpose, that stemmed from, I don't know how many people, I would hope none, but wake up and say, you know, I really want to be just average, mediocre. I'm not really trying to do anything great this morning. I'm good with just whatever. I don't know many people that say that. They may not know how to get there, but most people, I think, generally speaking, want to be great. They want to be excellent. They want to do the absolute best that they can. They may not know how to get there. And so when you lack that clarity, it sometimes seems like it's impossible. But when you're really clear about, I'm going to be excellent, that means that you'll do whatever it takes and you'll put the actions and, and the monitoring and, and the steps uh, in place to get to that level of excellence. That's fantastic. And so the why is important. The purpose is important. I love the analogy of using Waze and Google Apps and the recalculating, right? Leaders are always seemingly recalculating because they've decided to go in a direction that they didn't intend to go in. Can you say something about why that might be? What is it that makes people so scattered? Like even those that have the vision, they have the why. We've done work with folks and just did purpose statements. It's almost like we want to tattoo it on our forehead so we can see it every, every morning when we wake up. But then we still recalculate. Something happens and you're a principal and you know what it's like. We have leaders in the room. We have the, uh, the, our listening audience as leaders. Why is it that we get off track even with all those things? You go into the classroom, you see the vision statement on the wall, and we're not doing anything close to what it says. What, what, what makes us so scattered? Because we're not rooted and grounded. If you think about when you plant, like if you think about an oak tree and how they can, you know, at one point it was a small plant, right? 
and somebody had the vision and they planted that and they cultivated that and those roots got deep. And sometimes we spend time chasing after things that have nothing to do with what we said we were about or what we said our purpose was. And then we don't have the patience to wait and watch it and nurture it and cultivate it and watch it grow. And so we have so many things that we're chasing and it's like that hamster wheel approach. We're just running and running and running because that's what, that's what it feels like, right? I think to be an educator, just generally speaking, we just always feel like we're running and we're trying to figure it out, but we're impatient because we are committed to what we do. We want to be great and we want our kids to be successful that excellence takes time and it takes intentionality. And so when we're not intentional about what we're doing, we start to chase a lot of other things thinking that even you got to wait to, to get to that edge of breakthrough is really the moment when you want to retreat, but that's the moment when you need to push through. And I think sometimes we just feel like this is not it. This is not working. We need to try something else. And so when we don't take the time to, to actually let it sink in and look at our results, and then when it's not working, analyze why it's not working. You know, you have the, the five whys, like ask those five why questions, but why isn't this successful? Instead of abandoning it, we need to maybe try something else or put something else in place instead of just saying, well, that just didn't work and we're going to go find something else that we can work on. So being really clear, but being really focused is what's really important. And when we lack that clarity, when we lack that focus, we spin our wheels trying to find what's going to work quickly. That's great, Sine. Thank you very much. It really resonates the idea of excellence is intentional and it takes time. And we have to work with people to help them understand that that's a reality. And this chase only causes more work in the long run. Um, absolutely true. So thank you. We're going to switch gears a little bit. If you were going to improve the student experience in every school, what would you want to see done? In order to do that, you need to talk to the students. When you go to a restaurant, and you will have the managers come around and they'll say, How, how's everything? How's your food? How's the service? You know, they want to know. And so sometimes we try to figure things out as adults and as educators, but we leave a critical piece out and that's talking to the students. And so I would say more student voice. And, and it's general, just walking up, how are things going? What's going well? Where can we improve? And be ready to hear what they have to say. If you want to know anything that's going on in your school or in your district, talk to kids. They are going to tell you the truth. They are not going to hold anything back. They're very candid in, in what they have to say. They are the end user of what we're doing. They're the end user of what we're talking about today. They're the end user of everything that we do. And sometimes we leave them completely out of the equation by asking them how things are going. Are we meeting your needs? How can we improve? How can we get better? That's awesome. Yeah, we're big fans of that. So student surveys, just asking the kids, going around and making, I just heard from an old time superintendent one that he would go in and ask the kids who their favorite teachers were, what the, the greatest lessons were, what the most boring lessons were. And he would just get a real pulse on on one of, the, of his schools every day, just based on talking to the kids. And I think that's it's an interesting point because a lot of times we come in and our immediate reaction is to talk to teachers at BMPLCs, talk to the leader. 
but it's the kids who really know what's going on. Tell us a little bit more about talking to the kids who you typically wouldn't talk to because of their behavior. So those are sometimes the ones that are going to give you the best information. You know, I had my teachers write down on a post-it note, a kid like their all-star kid, just a kid that just makes their day. And then they shared with the partner, like, why that kid, they chose that kid. You can talk about that kid forever. Tell that person what you know about that kid. Do you know that, you know, they're in band or they love sports? I know they have brothers and sisters. I know everything about this kiddo because I look forward to, to really connecting with that kid each day. I did the same thing and had them write the name of a kid that really challenges them. Now talk about, talk to your neighbor about what you know about that kid. Not as much because those are the kids that may be a little bit more difficult to really interact with. And so I said, I want the names of those kids. And those are the kids that I pulled in and just had one-on-one -on -one chats with, checked in on them to see how is school going for you? What is school like for you? What are you struggling with? Because therein lies where I need to focus my work. I need to focus on helping teachers connect with students. Or I need to focus on increasing engagement, maybe in this particular classroom. And so then I'm not just chasing and putting more things in place that may be reaching 80% of the kids. I'm actually finding the 20% that are disengaged and figuring out what I can do based on the feedback that they're giving me. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, a friend of ours, Principal L, he always says that the, the kids who need the most love show it in the worst ways. So right. that, that, that touches us. A little switch of a gear, what would you say is your favorite resource? If you have to pull a resource off the shelf for a school leader or, or a teacher, where do you go first? So for a school leader, and this is actually what I've been using a lot here recently, it's not an educator. I really believe in crossing industries. I love just leadership books in general, just from people from, from business. But one thing that I, that I listen to weekly is a podcast called Lead to Win by Michael Hyatt. And he's a leadership guru. And he just talks about different topics focused on leadership. And I think sometimes leaders neglect themselves in the sense we spend so much time giving and supporting others that we forget to build up and think about the things that are the areas where we need support. So this is just about leadership in general. The topic for Tuesday was how to delegate and which is sometimes hard for leaders because it's just easier in our minds to just kind of do it ourselves. And, you know, we know how we want it, but in order to grow capacity and to grow leaders, you have to give them, you have to give things away so that they can be performing and, and get better. So that's one resource that I'm using right now that, that just comes to mind pretty quickly. In terms of teachers, I try to find things that are short and practical. Anytime that I can find maybe something through Edutopia, ASCD, Educational Leadership, Ed Week, those are some resources that I use because they're short and practical, and then teachers can put something in, into practice. I, I usually put things in my weekly newsletter to my staff members, or if it's something that I know I just had a conversation with the teacher about, I may shoot it their way, but practical things that they can use. And then uh, what I did, which was, it was a very big moment for me. I love books. I had so many resources from over the years, and they were all related to teaching, and I said, and I don't anticipate going back into the classroom. I've been out of the classroom for 15 years. And I'm like, I'm holding on to all of these books, but I need to share these. So I cleaned out my bookshelf 
And I mean, I had a library cart full of books and I put them in the teacher's lounge and I told the, the teachers, hey, take what you want. And so they, they cleared it out. So I think it's just being a collector of resources based on things that you're working on in your school or in your district and then giving those things away and meeting with teachers, um, building those relationships so you know where they are, so you know where to coach them. You made two excellent points today. Real quick, do you use Michael Hyatt's Full Focus Planner? So that is on my Christmas list. <laughs> that is on my Christmas list. And because I've listened to them talk about it. And when it comes to what I do on a daily basis, everything that I do is scheduled. I do not just show up and just work through a stack of paper to see how far I get. Every activity is scheduled. I have office days. I have coaching days. And so on my coaching days, I'm out in classrooms coaching teachers. I may be working in classrooms. I take my laptop. I'm just completely out of the building. But that's how I can see what's going on. If you think about it, it's like a baseball manager. You know, the Astros are playing here in a little bit. Go Strohs. And baseball managers do not play in the game. In fact, when they get out there and start playing, the game stops. They can't play until they get off the field. But what they do is they watch and they observe and they give feedback. And that's what I do as, as a leader. I'm observing and I'm giving feedback, giving teachers tips, seeing what they need. And one of my favorite shows on TV right now is New Amsterdam. And he always asks, how can I help? And, and that's what I do. How can I help? I don't have the full focus planner, but in January, I hope that been a very good girl and it's under the tree for me. Uh, this Christmas. <laughs> we hope you get it as well. Um, <laughs> so one other quick point on that too. I think the fact that the teachers took all the books speaks volumes. And I think it's when you were talking, my mind linked immediately to professional development and how sometimes as administrators, we'll say, well, the PD didn't go well, the teachers aren't vested, they don't like it, and it kind of becomes a negative toward teachers, when if we really take the time to think, it's going back, just like you said, student voice, there's an element of teacher voice that also needs to be heard and what they need, and you just putting resources out there and seeing what they've taken, I've also found that to be true. There's a lot of teachers craving to grow and learn and become masters mm -hmm. of their craft. So it's an excellent point. No, I don't. I think people inherently want to be better. I assume good intentions until given another reason, you know, not to. And so sometimes you don't even know what you need or you don't even know what's out there. And then most of, most of the time, teachers teach in their classrooms. That's it. And so if we don't create the opportunity for them to go see other teachers, you can't afford to send everybody to a conference. But there's so much knowledge in, in, in our buildings and in our districts that we may not even be tapping into because we haven't taken the time to, to capture the teacher voice and ask them, how can I help and what do you need? What resources do you need? I tell them all the time, hey, tell me what you need in order to do your job well, and I'll make sure that you have it. Let me figure out how to get it but tell me what you need to do your job well. And we can support our teachers. That is going to pay dividends in the classroom. They're gonna be able to do what they need to do for kids. Thank you. So Nate, for, the, for you to feel like you've made a tremendous impact and, and what you're really accomplishing, what, was, what does the next three to five years look like for you? Oh, that's a hard question. For me, I always tell people, bloom where you're planted wherever you are, make a difference. Someone or people need to know that you were there. And in order to do that, I really 
focus on making sure that I'm making an impact in the lives of other people. So in the next three to five years, I have no idea where I'm going to be, but wherever I am, I plan to make an impact in a significant way. People will know that that I was there. I think back when, you know, when I was in school and people were right on the on the bathroom, such and such was here. They'll know based on my work, not because it was something that I did, but it was because I created ownership with the people that I was working with. So then they begin to own the work. And then through that ownership, they continue to carry the work forward. Yeah, I think bloom where you're planted. I mean, I hope five people in this room took note of that and then tweeted out right now. I mean, it's just a phenomenal way to do the work, do the work in front of you, be excellent at it. And everybody will know that Sine Bell was here. I want to go back to this idea of outside of education. You mentioned the podcast as a resource, and we're super interested in the concept of educators using business and nonprofit and other areas to inform how we lead and how we grow. Are there a couple of other people who you follow or some other folks? I mean, obviously, Brene Brown is, is one of them, but can you shed some light on that for some folks in the room and the, and the listeners? Because I think a, a lot of what people crave is the, where to go and what to read next. There's so much in that fire hose. Can you just give us one, two, or three people who we, we needed to send people to? So you you mentioned Brene Brown, and if you're not familiar with her work, that's really where I began to uncover this whole notion of, as a leader, being okay with saying, I don't know, and I need your help, as you don't have to have all of the answers when you're leading. And so really digging into self-awareness is critical. So another area where, where I get a lot of just different perspective on leading people in general is through the Harvard Business Review. And they have just general articles about general articles and books, tons of resources on leading teams, on managing yourself, articles that you can use with your teams. They have lots of things that are free, but then they also have like a paid monthly membership that I really think is worth the money. Um, They're just, they're just great resources. And so I have so many books, I, I can't like nail down like one author, but when I think of how busy the lives of leaders are. You need something kind of quick and at your fingertips. The Harvard Business Review, they put out articles monthly on various topics that I guarantee you everybody in that room could find topics and find articles that would be helpful to them. And so then I just kind of save those and use them with my team. Yeah, we're big uh, HBR fans. We I think TJ as well, we get the hard copy of the magazine, and then we also get the daily alerts. I just used, just to your points, I just used one not too long ago. I sent it to my team specifically on coaching, and it was coaching new employees. And I actually extended that to all of our employees just with the idea that if they never received that coaching early on, they're still in that boat. But what does coaching really look like? Even when that that individual uh, may have been around for a while. So yeah, we're big fans of that. And I like that little, that morning drop into my email. It's one of the things I look forward to. One of our final questions tonight, if something that you're really into right now, you're contemplating, thinking about, what is a, a book you wish someone would write on a topic that you're really interested in now? If I could figure out how to, to 
to, to make this work, then I'm going to be rich. But it's about how do you meet the challenges that we face as educators today at the same time you're able to meet the challenges that you have in your personal life or at home and keep smiling and keep feeling good. <laughs> if I can figure that out, then I'm going to be rich. But, but honestly, I think it's about just personal wellness and knowing that we give so much to so many people as leaders, to, to, to the people that, that we're leading, to other people's children, that sometimes we don't have enough left in our tank to give to the people who support us in our personal lives. And sometimes we play, we, we have that guilt. Like if, you know, you can't give 50% here and 50% there and think that it's going to equal a whole, you got to give 100% in all of your settings, but that's really exhausting. And so where I'm spending my time and if, if the, the things that I'm reading to continue to help me grow and keep me motivated as a leader really have nothing to do with how I can make my school better. It has nothing to do with, you know, how I can grow as a leader. It's more personal wellness because I think when we take care of ourselves and we take care of those who are very important to us, we're able to, our cups are full and then we're able to pour into other people. And I think sometimes we are, we beat ourselves up as educators and we don't leave enough for the people who care about us the most. And I, there's got to be a way that we can figure out how to be excellent at home, be excellent at work and just have a happy, fulfilling life. That's what I would love for somebody to, to, to figure out for me. Sinead, this has been great. A lot of stuff that you've said is really resonating here at home with our listeners, with our audience. We really appreciate you joining us. Is there anything else that you would like to add as we conclude here? You know, I just want to say that we should all be striving to be, to be excellent on purpose. Set the bar for excellence, and the only thing that should ever change should be the level of support that's needed to reach that. But if excellence is what we have our sights on, then it helps us to be really intentional and to be focused on what we're doing and what we're working on. It also helps us to leave out the extra things that don't matter, that are not going to have the impact or significance on helping us get our goal. But stay the course and know who you are, know your values and anchor, make sure you're anchored in that. And that's what keeps you focused and motivated during any challenges that you may face. All right, Sine, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Can we take a couple of questions from the audience? Yeah, sure, absolutely. We'll do like one or two if anybody has a burning question. Or a mild question. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be we'll burning. Mild. I don't have a question, but I do have, um, sure. I want to thank her for um, some of the ideas that she has sparked just from our conversation. Um, sharing out your resources is critically important. One of the things that we do in my school this year, we're doing a Linden Library for our pre-K students, where they're taking the books home, and then we're asking the families to select one word that resonated with them in their conversation so we can build a vocabulary wall. But also, from your conversation, just said, why not do that for my staff? Build a Linden Library that we have right there so that they can take some resources that we may be hoarding ourselves, but can be really uh, purposeful for others around the building. So thank you. Yeah, thank you're, you for sharing welcome. that. That's great inspiration. Any comments about that, Sine? 
You know, I, I think, and I love that she used the word hoarding because that's exactly what I was doing. I, I have, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm holding on to these. The same with like my educational leadership. They're like baseball cards, I guess. I just wanted to collect them, but they weren't being useful. And so I said, I need to put these out. And initially I was like, I doubt anyone takes these. And I, I put them out and forgot about them. And I went back and I'm like, oh my gosh. They took them, so it let me know that they were starving for resources, and and so anything that, and, and I think sometimes we think we may know what teachers need and want. They tell us one things as leaders, but they may not always be 100% honest or even know what they don't know until they see a resources that's out there, and so that's probably been one of the most impactful things that I did that didn't cost me anything because I had already purchased the books, but it also just let me know that teachers were really hungry for professional learning that they got to choose and read and share on their own time. That's fantastic. One more? No. I really did love the example that you used um, regarding um, getting teachers to get to know the tough students. And you're absolutely right. When you do get to understand the resources, the conversations, to meet those 20%, you can still elevate those 80% still. So as you, you know, as I was listening to you, I was contemplating through as to how can I do that within the conversation where uh, the concern is always about, well, how do I make sure that I reach this student? Uh, a lot of it is just having a conversation and getting to know what the is. So that was, that's great, so thank you. Sure thing. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we, unintentionally just try to figure out how can we get the kid to behave and just if they would just do what I tell them to do we wouldn't be having these problems and we forget that they they're individual people as well and half the time more than half the time their issue has nothing to do with you but you are the recipient of whatever you're getting because they kids come to school with a lot of baggage so do adults they don't get to check it at the door and you know shove it in the car and shut the door and come into the schoolhouse but we have learned how to regulate that, but our kids need help with that. And so if we look at them and remember, even in the tough days, that they're children and figure out why and try to find the root cause and spend our efforts and time trying to help that child, you, you, you will, you'll naturally elevate the others, but then you'll bring that kid and help them feel included and, and like you care, you know, show them that you care and that they belong. I always look for those tough kids. I just, because they're the, they're the ones that are easy to write off. That was fantastic. Sunay, we're going to spend another 15 minutes here just chatting out with this, this group of leaders. We really, really appreciate your time especially with the technical difficulties there in the beginning. And this has been a, a fantastic podcast. When it does go live through production, we'll let you know. We're going to give away 10 of your books to the crowd here, to lucky recipients of your books. And just, again, a, a hearty thank you from us. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you guys. Awesome. We really appreciate your time and, and hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You guys too. Well, that's fantastic. You heard it here on Focus ED with Sinead Bell. Everyone, let's get a hearty round of applause from our studio audience. Thank you. Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. We'll see you next time on Focus ED. Don't miss the next episode. Until then, stay focused.
and they've created a, a name for themselves that's not in a positive light. And so, um, you love that, right? That's the after school bus. Listen, this is as real as it gets. Hey, listen. In school, we got school people. That's what it's about. It works. That's the reason why I snuck away and came home because there's no way I would have been able to talk to you guys at school, but I totally get it. Um, it's, a, it's hilarious. Short and practical. This is final call for buses, final call for buses. I love so, that.